What do you believe causes dis-ease? Let's say cancer, untreatable conditions. I would be remiss if I didn't say something about the emotions, the lack of forgiveness, the trapped emotions within the body because the body is the emotional body. Cancer has a definite aspect of being difficult to forgive, whether that be mm. someone else or yourself. This person was holding the stuck emotion for decades. This emotion is just trapped. And if you envision the body like water, it's just dammed up. It's blocking the, call it the chi, the flow, prana, whatever. Because you're holding on to stuff. How's it going to release heavy metals? You can't even release a thought. But for whatever reason, most of America, most of the first world doesn't seem to have much of an issue with our current, what I would call our sick care system. What direction is medicine going in? The doctors are really unhappy. They say, oh, I believe what you're doing. I just don't know how to get out of it. They're scared, but they're waking up. They're uncomfortable, but not enough to move yet yep. and to do something about it. But you know, ultimately the ones that are ready, that's my goal is to get them on our side and swing this system. Welcome to the Conscious Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Griff. I'm a conscious serial entrepreneur with a passion for wealth creation, sovereignty and natural law, spirituality and consciousness, financial literacy, commerce, investing, and the game of money. I am the founder of the Level Up Collective, a conscious wealth mastermind in which I lead countless others through the process of unlearning most, if not all, of what we've been taught about the world and the game of money, and then relearning what the rules of this secretive game really are and how we can actually win at it. I was incredibly blessed to stumble across many of the secrets of the 1% at a young age. And rather than keeping it all to myself, I'm on a mission to share this information freely with as many people as I can. This podcast is going to challenge the very fabric of your reality. And at times, you may find yourself running up against some of your deepest unconscious belief systems. I encourage you to give yourself grace, keep an open mind, and never just accept what I say as fact. Always do your own research. I never want you to just assume I am telling the truth. I am not here to convince or teach you anything, but rather to reflect back and remind you of things that somewhere in your consciousness you already know. Take what resonates, discard what doesn't, and enjoy the ride. Now let's get started. What's going on, guys? Today we have a very special guest, someone who I've been trying to get on the podcast for quite a while now. I've been very patient with this particular guest, and so I'm super excited to have her on the podcast today. She goes by the name of Dr. Jess Petros. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Yes. And quite a few of you may be familiar with her, those of you who are into health, holistic health, alternative health, as much as I am. But for those of you who may not be fully aware of who she is, she is an MD, She's an educator, she's a speaker, and as far as I'm aware, you're now a formulator of products as well, correct? Yes, exactly. Cool. So quite the background, and we're going to get into that. Outside of the, the basics of what I laid out, is there anything else you want to add into your introduction? 
No, I think that that summarizes, you know, a vague summarization of what I've done and who I am and people get to know me over the course of this podcast. So sounds good. So before we get into it, I just want to say that um, shout out to Alina for connecting us. (laughs) (laughs) Alina's going to watch this. Hello, Alina. (laughs) So uh, that's what's cool about uh, networking, friendships, meeting new people, all this type of thing. Um, One thing leads to the next. And one day I'm checking my Instagram and all of a sudden Dr. Jess follows me. And uh, (laughs) I've been following you for many years. So pretty cool. At first, I didn't know why you followed me. And then Alina told me, yeah, that's because I was talking, talking on the phone about you or whatever. So yeah, she talked you out. Alina, um, appreciate you as well for being open minded and um, not having, uh, I guess, preconceived notions. A lot of people who are more traditionally educated can uh, write off others who maybe uh, aren't traditionally educated, if you will. And so I appreciate that. Um, I've been a big fan of your work for many years. And so Today's episode is a cool experience for me, kind of like a full circle moment. Yeah, it is. I mean, I definitely appreciated now that I followed you, the information you're posting. I'm, um, I joined Jeremy's community, you guys. So I have a lot of good things to say about him too. Um, and we're newly friends, newly getting to know each other. So I think what you're doing is amazing too. Thank you. I appreciate you. So for my audience who may not know who you are and hasn't followed your journey the last few years, you've had quite the journey the last few years <laughs> that we'll kind of get into. Um, can you give us a more in-depth uh, overview of what exactly do you do? Like what's what's your lane? Um, what do you specialize in and why? So, you know, when I first started out my career, I, you know, as in traditional medicine, I did internal medicine and that was what I was board specialized in. I wanted to have a broad basis um, to be able to specialize or go into a specialized niche if I wanted to. Um, but it turns out I wasn't supposed to be in Western medicine at all. So when I saw the light and started getting training in functional medicine and holistic health and all that stuff, um, I wanted to ask why until I couldn't ask why anymore. Mm. And so I did that with a lot of my patients. So, you know, they come in traditional uh, diagnosis like high blood pressure, hypertension. You know, why aren't we asking why? Why aren't we asking about their diet and their lifestyle and how they live their their nine to five, what their stress is, which we know is related to blood pressure. But instead of like asking, why don't we, we symptom manage and, you know, get to the root cause of this stress. Here's this pill to stop this physiologic reaction in the body to that stress. And it just really didn't make sense to me. Um, And the more I started exploring, looking at all of their alternatives, I, I saw that there was a few things that stuck out to me as to why people were chronically ill. And the main one was environmental toxins. Um, there was some stealth pathogens. There were some heavy metals. And there was a lot of um, autonomic nervous system dysfunction, people not being able to see themselves and where they were out of alignment with nature and the universe or you know God, whatever you want to say. And um, I thought, gosh, you know, this is am I crazy? Is this just a new perspective that I haven't seen? And it turns out there's this whole hidden world of doctors who think like me that I didn't even know existed. And so because of that, I decided to specialize in things like water damaged buildings, environmental toxicities, Lyme disease, parasites, um, teeth issues, and breast implant illness also um, interest me because I think that those are uh, 
mystery symptoms that people come to. They don't, they don't look like they're about the teeth or about the breast implants, but they're about the rest of the toxins that those produce and systemically in the body. And so I made those mystery patients, my bread and butter and my interest, because I thought this is what's wrong with a lot of people. And I want to be able to get to the root cause and not ask why anymore. Hmm. And around like what year, what time range did you start to ask these deeper questions or have these realizations where you're like, interesting, I'm, I'm in a system that doesn't care to ask why and start to have this kind of pull towards, um, you know, functional medicine and all that. Like what, what era was that for you? You know, I went through a pretty painful public divorce in early 2013. And what I've noticed is a lot of my awakenings come through um, great pain and trauma. And that's what that happened. A lot of what happened with that divorce and those whole family dynamics were my awakening. Um, And so probably 2014, 15, I was doing a lot of research. I started training in Gerson therapy in 2015. I was still stuck in the hospital system though. And I couldn't figure out how to financially sustain myself by jumping out of that ready-made system for us and going to something where you kind of have to be your own businesswoman and build your own financial security in the holistic health world. Uh, and that was, yeah, it was, it was a tough, a tough cookie to crack there actually. And so that was, uh, I finally bounced, although man, it was pulling at my heartstrings, um, probably for, you know, one or two years before I got the courage to leave. And that was late 2015 when I left the hospital system and I made a fourth of what I used to make. I really, Mm. you really, I really struggled. Yeah. Interesting. So huge pay cut and you had to kind of rebuild. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I went and I, you know, I don't know if all medical doctors could do this, but I humbled my ego quite a bit. I trained for free. I went two or three times per week driving from Long Beach, California to East LA and Monterey Park to train with Dr. Clement Lee, who was one of my mentors. And he's younger than me. He's a naturopathic doctor, not a medical doctor. So I think a lot of medical doctors should be humbled if they're going to learn. And I, mm. I did that for free. And then the other days I would drive to Whitaker Wellness where Dr. Julian Whitaker, he's kind of a renegade medical doctor at the time, who was my other mentor, paid me to see patients. So I was kind of learning and seeing patients at the same time after training in Gerson therapy. And uh, that was hard. I mean, I was spending two hours in, you know, LA traffic every day and then not making any money. I was living with my best friend and her fiance at that time. It was hard. Damn. I love that though. Are you familiar with the hero's journey concept? Absolutely. I'm still on it. I think I've broken through the other side, maybe just (laughs) recently. (laughs) Well, my, my perspective on, on the hero's journey, like, as we know, it's a circle, right? And when you start to get into spirituality, you start to understand that everything in the universe is kind of works in spirals. I don't think there's such thing as like you, you've graduated it. Like it's just, it's like iterations, it spirals upwards. But like when you end one hero's journey, you begin another, if you will. Right. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But that's what I, that's what I hear when, uh, when you talk about like taking a 75% pay cut and it was very hard and you had to kind of rebuild and then you kind of climb back up and then all of a sudden, you know, the next uh, challenge happens, if you will, which is a little bit about what I want to talk about next. So (laughs) can you walk us through and correct me if I'm getting any timelines wrong, I'm going to do minimal assumptions, but 
I believe this all occurred because or right around the same time as the 2020 stuff. Is that correct? Uh, no, this, you mean the, my awakening and when I left Western medicine. So that was late 2015. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more of that. So, so now I'm fast forwarding, forwarding us a little bit to Uh. the next period of time, which is more along the lines of when I had started following you and you were a practicing MD and then you started having issues very similar to Jordan Peterson where um, the establishment, I don't even know what to call them. I'll call them the matrix. (laughs) Yeah. Started uh, basically um, threatening to take away your license, this type of thing. So can you, can you tell us about this? When did this happen? Why did this happen? And um, I'm going to back you up just a little bit because there was actually more drama even before then. Okay. In uh, 2016, I was making supplements in my apartment actually like, you know, I wanted to launch a supplement company. And so this was Dr. Jess supplements. I had 15 Bunch different- of white powders everywhere. <laughs> just like, Oh yeah. I stained my carpet with turmeric and did not get my damage deposit back. <laughs> yes. Nice. That happened. So, um, yeah, it was not GMP certified. It was back in 2016. I would have blow out cells on Instagram. That's how I grew my name. I had 15 different you know, herbal medicine products, like, you know, back then it was microbiome master, hormone master, thyroid master, stress master. I had 15 different ones. And this is where I learned trial by fire in business. I had some shareholders come basically take the arches off McDonald's, um, lie to me and convince me to sign a contract without a lawyer present. That's my bad. That's my lesson. But they took everything. They took my Instagram. They took my YouTube. They took my Facebook. They took my they made me a mere shareholder in the company that bore my name. So I wasn't even on the board of directors to make decisions. And I didn't figure it out for almost a year later. And when I told my audience, they sued me for three and a half years for fraud and breach of contract. And these guys, my former business partner, who I'm still friends with, and these guys who came in are still in a lawsuit over a company that's been dissolved for three, four years now. And the person who created the supplements has moved on. So I was involved in that. At the exact same time that COVID happened, and then the establishment was coming after me for for vaccine exemptions. So all this happened and accumulated in one thing, like a big, huge, ugly, swollen cyst of karma. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And it ruptured eventually, and all that is past me now. But I'll tell you, back then during COVID, um, I already knew at that point in time that the establishment had passed, you know, in California had passed SB 277, SB 276. Now, for those people out there listening who don't know what that is, let me just explain to you. I'm a little biased here, but in my opinion, they legalized crime. Um, They made it, they worked through the health and human um, health and human services department and the district attorney's offices to be able to subpoena patients' medical, medical records without their permission and open them up without, with a, with the guise of safety in mind to check the legitimacy of said vaccine exemptions without the patient's permission. It's absolutely criminal. And so they subpoenaed some of my records from Nourish Medical Center in California from the the Health and Human Services Department. So you think it's like a, a family court case. You don't know it's the medical board. This is how they're doing it. You send them everything and then they send out a thing saying, we're investigating you for vaccine exemptions, which is what happened to me. I was doing the fifth highest number of vaccine exemptions for children in San Diego County at the time. And I was paired up with a pediatric naturopath and we were following the law and they retroactively punished us under SB 277. 
for minutia, not shining, not setting charts in time. Um, you know, this kid's sister or brother has autism. That's not enough for us. Even if this kid has developmental delays, I mean, it's insane. So I knew by the time COVID happened, what they were doing and that they were on a tra trajectory to punish all of us doctors who are protecting fragile children. Because in California, you have to have 72 doses of each of the vaccines to attend school by the age of 18. Yeah. They have to, the <laughs> CDC recommended schedule is that now. And people say, oh, there's not that many shots. Yes, there is. There's multi-dose files. And they give you multiple doses of a certain shot. Yes, there is. And, you know, I probably got 15 so I did. I just inherently, and more. I am. I disagree with them, yeah, and they're. For they're sure. so, I disagree, and I'm not going to stand for it. As a doctor, you suit can't tell me what to do. You didn't go to medical school, but so that's what happened. And so I started to just flagrantly speak out against COVID because I knew what they were doing with um, the vaccines for children. Well, they've been doing this for years. Now they're going to come for the adults, and that's when people are going to pay attention. And and that's what happened. So I. I was very vocal, very outspoken about the COVID vaccine and what they were doing. I mean, I, I had a vendetta a little bit, to be honest with you, Jeremy. I mean, they were coming after my license for helping children. I'm going to warn everyone what you're doing at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. They picked the wrong person. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people found me during COVID um, because that was a very important and hard time in my life. But also I, I saw very clearly what the right thing to do was, was for the human population. And it was to tell them what the opposite of the propaganda machine was telling them. Mm. Yeah. Power. So that's what happened to me during COVID. There was a lot wrapped into that, as you can see. So ask questions if it's not clear. <laughs> yeah. No, it's very clear. So would you say that this was uh, the culmination of all those factors was a dark night of the soul for you? Yeah, it was a six-year dark night of the soul because I was also in a toxic relationship with somebody for six years during this time who really didn't speak to me um, respectfully because he had a mother wound. So, um, and it was almost like I had a curse on me because I couldn't see how I was, my light was being dimmed during this time. Um, you know, I gained a lot of weight during this time. I had B vitamin deficiency, my health suffered, um, and I, I couldn't see it until it was over. And now that the relationship's over, my license has been surrendered. I willingly surrendered it. Um, and, you know, the, the lawsuit is over with the people who took my supplement company. I'm, I'm unleashed at this point in time. I had to go through that dark night of the soul because I still had some karmic lessons to learn about yeah. business and about boundaries and about self-respect. Mm -hmm. And when do you feel like you phased out of that dark season of your life and you started to feel like yourself again or or even a, a better version or newer version of yourself end of november beginning of december 2023 so recently very recently very recently and um what helped was a week-long advanced retreat at joe dispenza i saw that yeah and then at during that retreat i got my laps back um and everything was in the red and it was very obvious. I mean, the doctors scared me. They mentioned the words leukemia and polycythemia vera, wanting me to test me for these things. But I said, you know, give me, give me a month. And what I, what I could tell from those labs was that I had a real a rip roaring B vitamin deficiency that was long standing, long standing. Um, and you could see it in the CBC and the inflammation. Um, and so I went and got a really good methylated B vitamin. 
and started taking it at Joe Dispenza. And you remember the movie Pleasantville where it's gray and then everything turns to color? It was mm-hmm. like that. I haven't seen that. I get what you're saying though. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I mean, my vision improved, my mood improved. I mean, it had me stuck in a victim's like scenario with myself because I I had neuropsychiatric symptoms from a B vitamin deficiency, which is common. Um, And so when I figured all this out at one time, it was like I broke through and can move forward. Wow. One thing that fascinates me is and I know you're on this too now, you know, you talk a lot about trauma now, and I know you're into our internal world affecting our our health and it can manifest in different ways, right? Unresolved trauma and beliefs and all these types of things, stuck emotions. But one thing that's fascinating to me is is kind of the other way around, which is where something simply like physiological, like a B vitamin deficiency or whatever, can manifest in really, really affecting our like spiritual state, our emotional state, every aspect of of our health. And so it's like, this is one of the reasons why I got a lot more into holistic health, because it's like, if you just look at it through one lens, like whether that's like the biology lens or the neurochemical lens or the trauma lens or whatever, like you might miss it, right? So you kind of have to look at all the different lenses and it's like a, the scenario of the chicken and the egg, right? You don't know like which thing actually caused it and is this a symptom or is this the root cause or whatever. And I imagine that's why you do what you do in terms of like root cause approach and all that. Yes. Absolutely. You know, it's it's impossible for the consciousness of a human not to be affected by their their emotional and physical body. It's impossible. They're all connected. I wish everyone knew that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Coming across Joe Dispenza's work was like a game changer for me. I'll I'll say it was life-changing professionally and personally. Um, I literally pivoted what I was doing in business when I read Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself in 2017. And um, it just connected all the dots because if you're more like left brain, you appreciate like logic and and science and all these things. It was the first book where it was like, I mean, there's a reason he's blown up how he has, right? It was the first book that like was able to use science to tell us what Eastern cultures have known for thousands of years, but Western uh, society, like we need like science. They're like, where's the data? Where's the meta analysis? Like, it's totally true. I'll so tell you, it's been you a ha- game changer for. Um, it's been cool to just watch his work just blow up out of the stratosphere, and now there's like a whole new. I feel like it's become almost like popular and trendy. Whereas before him, it was like Bruce Lipton, and you were considered like a quack. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I'll tell you, you should really attend one of his advanced retreats. He has the science. You can't take pictures of it because it's not published yet. But I mean, I've never been so mind blown in my life. I've never been like I couldn't blink because the studies were just unbelievable. They were unbelievable. I can't I can't even explain to you like he's doing the biggest meditation studies at UCSD with PhDs and biologists and medical doctors who are on the stage saying this is better than any drug we've ever seen. This is upgrading DNA. This is turning on human growth hormone. We fixed all this autoimmunity, all this cancer. This is better than any drug we've ever seen in our our life. And they're proving it with science and brain mapping. And if you're in the science or anyone out there, you have to see it. You you have to see it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember after I read Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, then I read Becoming Supernatural, and that's the one where he really goes into like all the. Di- I mean, obviously, it's a whole other level. I can only imagine seeing it in person. But I remember being blown away by. I mean, just 
story after story, chart after chart. He has all sorts of different machines with the HeartMath Institute and all that stuff, right? So he's mapping in so many different ways that it's kind of irrefutable. So it's cool to see this stuff kind of, and this is where you can kind of go a little woo-woo and go into like astrology and stuff, or like I talk about the fourth turning or whatever, but it's like things are changing, call it what you want. We seem to be entering a new era in the world and it's cool to be on the front lines of that, you know? Yeah, we're ushering this in. Our energy definitely influences the people around us. Like that's, you know, you can influence people. And if you influence them with kindness and love and truthful information, it's a different world. Mm, Beautifully said. Slight pivot. One of the things that I'm always fascinated about when I talk to people a little bit more in depth is like, what, what made them become who they are today? And when I look at someone like yourself, you have very strong values. You stand for what you believe in. I would consider you a contrarian. You're not someone who's going to be like told what to do. Just be quiet, like go along with it. And I'm a very similar archetype. (laughs) Now, when I look at my upbringing and such, there was a lot of like writing on the wall that I've since then psychoanalyzed and and I very much so understand how I became, you know, and there's, and there's a few, of course, a few key experiences that stand out where it was kind of like, I drew a line in the sand and I was like, I'm never going to become this. And it ended up shaping me. Right. I'm super curious for someone like yourself, who's first off, you're a woman in a largely masculine space you're crushing it in business. You have multiple businesses. You're, you know, speaking out against the establishment. You're doing a lot of different things that are all considered rare. I guess the way I want to formulate this question is like, what key experiences in your upbringing stand out to you in terms of like, were there defining moments that when you look back on it, you're like, yeah, that definitely shaped me into becoming what I would eventually become. Yes. So I'm a country girl. I grew up in West Virginia Hmm. and my dad was a preacher and a missionary. Oh, wow. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, when I grew up, religion was shoved down my throat. I had to be at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And (laughs) my parents kind of thought for us and told us what to think. And we had very strong values about what was right and what was wrong, what was sinful and what wasn't. I mean, to be honest with you, I was very sheltered growing up. I mean, I didn't hear my parents cuss. Like I didn't, it was rainbows, puppies in the Bible, most of my childhood, but there was, there was a lot of oppression and not a lot of free thought. And I think that definitely um, shaped me. And Early on, I realized, you know, who I didn't want to be because even though those religion was shoved down my throat, I do appreciate it now quite a bit because it did instill a lot of values and integrity and that legality doesn't equal morality in me. Um, so, and I've taken, you know, I've read the Bible a couple of times. I've taken the underlying um, synergy and beliefs in the Bible and I'm able to see it in a modern viewpoint and what I think it meant. And so I think that. As I grew up, I I was definitely, I'm definitely a protector. Like I, you better not bully someone smaller than you in front of me. Hmm. Um, I will unleash the lion on you. Yeah. And I was like that all as a kid too. Like if you're going to bully someone, I will fight you. So, and it, it's just sort of my nature. And I think 
growing up, you know, we took we took Christmas presents to people who were homeless and, and kids that couldn't afford presents. We our family would buy them. Not, we, we were middle class in West Virginia. We didn't have a lot of money either, but that stuck with me to do the right thing for people who are less fortunate and to not be not be greedy. And, you know, as I got older, I heard I learned the term Wetico. Uh, have you heard of Wetico? I have. Are you talking about this is like a Native American word, right? Yeah. And it yeah. means they said the white people, when they came to the to the to the Western world, they had Wetico as a spiritual virus, meaning they they needed more than they wanted. And growing up in kind of a scarce place like West Virginia, where a lot of people don't have a lot of money and a lot of people are very oppressed and, and, and held back, it bothered me. It bothers me to see people suffering like that. And it was just instilled in me in my belief system from my dad, from the church. And then I've always upheld those strong morals. It's one of my favorite things about myself is my integrity and that I won't compromise that. So I think just my whole upbringing did that for me a little bit. Mm. (laughs) That's very cool to learn about you. I, uh, we had very similar upbringings. I was raised in a bubble, very strict Christian upbringing, always at the church. Wow. And I became very similar to you. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's quite a few of us. It's an interesting. And that's a whole other that's a whole other rabbit hole of like there's so many now adults whom our parents generation it was just a different generation. Everyone was well, I don't want to say everyone, but it was extremely popular to be in the church and there wasn't much um variety if you will. And now we're like the offspring of that. And so many of us have gone through a little bit of a different awakening. But similar to what you said, like, it's like this process of you kind of like walk away from the church and you kind of like blame it for a while. And then me yes. as well, you, you come back and you see, oh, there was a lot of value here. So it's though I don't agree with every aspect of it, right? Um, and men are highly flawed and a, a preacher or a pastor oh. is highly flawed, but regardless the actual underlying teachings and the consciousness of what it creates in a society is um is highly valuable so that makes it even more fascinating because i think that kind of proves my point of why i like to ask this question because it's like there's definitely something there right it gets at that nature nurture question i suppose you know was this predetermined how much of us was shaped, you know, in our upbringing and all that. I'm always fascinated by that. You know, I'll add another caveat to that. My dad did, he'll tell you now, he published a couple books. He was preaching for ego, for recognition, things like that. And it was very obvious in my upbringing. My dad's very different now. and We have a great relationship. He texts me every morning. It's really, it's really sweet. But back uh-huh. then I butted heads with my dad a lot. Um, he sort of ruled with an iron fist he was a child himself. He was extremely volatile and would yell, especially my sister, who was the black sheep. And uh, my mom was a doormat. And so I became sort of the protector standing up to him. Um, and when he was acting like a child, I would I would meet his energy. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, except I was a child. Well, you were, well, you were a child. Yeah. So, you know, that also influenced quite a bit how I... I will always be a doctor for the people and stand for the people. Mm. It's so fascinating how like we're just born onto this planet. We're born into this like meat suit and we don't have really conscious awareness of that. And then by the time we're of age to start to have like awareness of, of what it means to be human, it's like 
for the rest of our lives, those early fundamental years are going to almost dictate every aspect of the rest of our life. It's such a weird thing to think about. Like, I guess I shouldn't say it's only our species. It's not like we know that, but we are the only ones with prefrontal cortexes and such. And so it's like, it's just such a strange thing. No matter what you do, if you're a human, there's no, there's no avoiding that. Like, I can't tell you how many people I've met who are even like my grandparents, like they're still living out what they either experienced or didn't experience, what they either got or didn't get when they were like six. And they're like nearing their deathbed. It's so crazy. <laughs> I, I'll tell you my opinion if you want to hear it. I do want to hear it. So I do believe mm. that our grandparents and our parents are younger souls than us, which means that doesn't mm. mean anything bad. It doesn't mean that, you know, anybody's better than anyone else. Everyone has to go through an evolution journey and it's yeah. where you are on the, on the evolutionary scale of that journey. And so, um, and so I think, you know, with a lot of people who are older souls or more far advanced in their evolutionary journey, they actually are born to parents and a family that is a little more stable and um, have a little bit more of a childhood without so much trauma, perhaps, because their tra trajectory and their life's mission is to fulfill and lead and influence. And so therefore, they have to be regulated. Their nervous system has to be regulated. They have to have a good foundation to be able to ascend their soul to complete their soul's mission. And so that's my personal opinion on it. Mm. So would you say that people like myself and yourself were born into stable families or unstable families? My family compared to a lot of my friends and people I know, like a lot of my patients that I see that have chronic illness, they have so much childhood trauma. It's so terrible. Like I literally have to talk to them and be like, that's theirs, not yours to keep from crying when they right. talk. It's so, it's so heartbreaking. Um, and it's not fair and I hate it. And yeah, I do think that I was, you know, on the, Adverse childhood event score, the ACE score of neglect and, and trauma from childhood. I meet like two of them from my dad being a little bit ne emotionally neglectful. And that's really all I had growing up, um, unless you count religious trauma some. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's, my, that's minuscule compared to so many other people and what they go through today. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting, that's an interesting framework. And I do feel like... It is a weird experience, like being born into a family. I remember, and I've talked about this before, I know this sounds weird, but I remember being like not even 10 years old and like my parents were like, you know, hanging out with their some of their friends and stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, like, these people don't even like know anything. Like I felt like more, I felt like I knew more than them at maybe 10 or something. I don't know. It was like a distinct memory of like, there was this weird aspect. And so it made it hard to like, listen to authority. Um, and then uh, the more I've aged, the more I understand like, Oh, it's because my parents are children. Like they're, Correct. they look old now, but they're, they're children. They didn't emotionally develop past a certain point. Same. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> it's a strange thing, especially when you're a kid. Cause what do you hear? All you hear when you're a kid is like, respect your elders. They're like, I'm the adult. You listen to the adult. And it's like, I was always just like, but why? Like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, you might think you have a job and a title, but like, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't say that when you're like a 12 year old. 
No, but I definitely know those thoughts. I definitely <laughs> understand. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's funny. So to kind of end off on on that kind of question. So another thing that I'm always thinking about is like, so I look at the world in terms of systems. I'm pretty much a systems thinker, right? So as it pertains to my brand, we talk a lot about all of the systems that make up, let's say, the matrix, right? So a piece of that is the financial system, but we also talk about the education system. We talk about the medical system. We talk about the food system, right? There's a lot of these different um, systems, monetary system, legal system, political system, and together, all together, they make up what the internet calls the matrix, <laughs> And so my question for you is, it's very obvious that part of why you are who you are, who you are standing in front of me today is your interactions and your awakening that happened through the medical system. But what would you say is the first system that opened your eyes? Mm -hmm. Food, hands down, food, hands. And I think that's, it's that way for a lot of people, honestly. Um, and it was it was almost like uh, the awakening doesn't happen, bam, all at once. You, it comes right. in levels. And certain people understand certain things of the systems you just mentioned and maybe not about food. Well, I understand about food and maybe not about legal until I was in a lawsuit, right? Mm, so there's there's different levels. Uh, yeah, right? There's different <laughs> – you see how corrupt it is, you know? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, there's different levels to awakening. So for me, you know, back then I was – Back in 2013, 14, I was up on Instagram, you know, probably treating my trauma by distracting myself and scrolling. But I was following all these big health accounts and people who were early on in the game, awake early, trying to warn the popula population. And a lot of it was about food and diet. And I I had the knowledge to go back and research what they were saying. And I'd be like, oh, this is wrong. Oh, sure, sure. And then I'd go be humbled. Because I go look it up and be like, oh, wow, they didn't teach me that in school. What? Why? Right. Wait a second. Wait a second. Why didn't they teach me that in school? What else didn't they teach me about in school? Wait a second. And then it just all starts to unravel from there. Mm. Um, and so when I figured out about the food, it's like a free for all after that, because then you're like, they're lying about everything. And I have a bunch of research to do. <laughs> mm -mm. PubMed hits different. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You start looking at those conflicts of interest. Who wrote this study and how much were they paid? Yeah, who fun who funded this? It goes deep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where a lot of people's awakening happens, right? Because it might start with like they just want to take care of their body and then all of a sudden you follow the money and all of a sudden now you're paying attention to the monetary system and all of a sudden you're like, wait, what's the what's the Federal Reserve? Wait, who who runs the world? And all of a sudden you're like <laughs> and you never intended. So it's interesting how that it all connects. Honestly, they messed up with Monsanto. They messed up with Monsanto and they oh, messed yeah, up with COVID. Most obvious one. Monsanto woke me right up. They had marches of Monsanto. There were 8,000 people in Portland when I was there. I was like, wait a second. And then you start yeah. researching the history of Monsanto and it's so disgusting where it blends in with the government. And then it's just, they messed up with that one because it woke so many people up just like COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find like glyphosate is kind of like pretty, I don't want to say mainstream now, but like pretty well known now. As well, Monsanto, glyphosate, all that type of stuff is just disgusting. Yeah. And there is something to that. Like when they, let's just say they, when they push something too fast, it often backfires. Like it's, if you study, like, let's say, like Russian intelligence or you happen to get your hands on like some CIA documents and stuff, like rule number one in like 
influencing large numbers of people is that you have to do it so slowly and so subtly that anyone who maybe notices it would be considered crazy. And so you do it over like, you do it over generations. That's the theory of what's happening right now with like TikTok and Gen Z and all that. It's like, there is a compelling theory that the Russians have been aiming to do this for many, many decades. And I don't know that it's, you know, our brains are always looking for a black and white answer of like, oh, it's the Russians. I don't know about that. But regardless, like, let's just say powers that be over generations make sense. But then you have something like COVID where they just go like, yo, let's like speed this up a bit. And they do too much too fast and then it backfires. So that's an interesting thing as well. Well, you know, they had to. It's time for everyone to wake up. We're going through a photonic belt right now where there's a lot of fast moving particles. Earth is. There's a lot of solar flares bringing new electric magnetic energy to the earth. How else do you wake people up? You have to bring new energy to the earth straight from God. So, you know, they had no choice. They see this coming. They had to rush things. What happens when narcissists rush things? They make mistakes. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) (laughs) What do you believe causes dis-ease? I'd love to hear just like, let's say cancer, let's say untreatable conditions. I know you're, I'm not looking for a black and white answer here. I'm quite the opposite. Um, Where do you believe these things often stem from? And how does one actually go about healing? And once again, none of this is medical advice. I'm just more so looking for like, I think you know why I'm asking this, but a lot of people confuse symptoms with what caused something. Right, exactly. And they get mixed up with labels, which often aren't root cause either. So I'm going to go a little woo here because I do think everything begins in the energy body or in manifest in the phys- as physical disease later on. Um, I do think a lot of autoimmunity and cancer stem from um, our autonomic nervous system and anxiety or misalignment within that system pushed towards either um, a dominant parasympathetic or mostly most people are sympathetic these days. I also think it has a lot to do with stuck beliefs and emotions trapped in the body, like you said earlier. Um, I think that cancer has a definite um, aspect of being, being unable or it being difficult to forgive whether that be mm. someone else or yourself. Holding on to it, yeah. Yeah, constipation, you can't let go, digest a yeah. morsel in life, right? Yeah. A lot of German new medicine, which I've taken- I was literally about to ask you about yeah, it. Yeah, I've taken Andy Lockmere's course before. It's really good if anyone's looking to learn out there. She has a lot of resources. And I don't rely straight on that. I actually right. rely on the physical and emotional and mental as well as the, exactly. the root cause. So when you bring all those aspects together, you get a really good chance of helping a person overcome 100%. their disease, right? Mm-hmm. So- um, I do think I, I would be remiss if I didn't say something about the emotions, the lack of forgiveness, the trapped um, emotions within the body, because the body is the emotional body. Yep. But really, the the really, when you look at it, what are those emotions? What are those toxins? What are those beliefs? What are that trauma? What does it on our nervous system all have in, in common is when things are misaligned or out of homeostasis, the energy meridians throughout your body do not flow properly. And things like root canals and breast implants and toxins and pathogens create an interference in the body, emotions as well. And when there's an interference, things aren't moving properly through the body and the chakras and the meridians. Sorry, I'm going woo. Like I told you guys, but this stuff has been around for thousands of years and to discant it for for just like, you know, a couple, a few modern years that haven't proved it is just, is short-sighted. So ultimately it's about as you are energy, 
as witnessed by EKG or EEG, then you have to have that energy properly flowing because stagnation equals disease, whether it's a physical fluid in the body or an energy meridian in the body as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just want to let you know, um, this isn't going to be woo at all to, to our audience. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it's, you're not on like a medical doctor show right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh boy, my board's going to like write about me now. No, yeah. I don't care. I don't no, care it's that great. It's great. Uh, those of you who are in the field who are willing to, um, you know, put yourself out there and be be more pioneers. It's why I respect Joe Dispenza so much, right? You you risk being kind of exiled in the community, but now look at him. <laughs> he he doesn't call them chakras because he believes that you meet people where their their understanding is. Right. And you, don't, yep. you don't use terms that cause division. With he just people. says he, energy centers, right? Correct. And that's yeah. if that works for you guys out there listening, that's exactly yeah. what they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like anyone who has a spiritual background who reads it, you know, like where his principles are coming from, but he's not saying it like that because it would be too woo woo, right? <laughs> yeah. He, do, he wants to unite, not divide. Mm hmm. Okay. So like, I want to go even more like nerdy on what you just laid out, even for just my own understanding, because half of why podcast is to learn. So someone had deep trauma when they were 11 from their father and they never forgave him. And he died, he went to the grave and they, they never, you know, they never had that conversation. And they're now, I don't know, 47. And, um, they're starting all of a sudden, just one day, right? All of a sudden, they're diagnosed with cancer. And of course, their doctor, you know, they're going to get hit with a lot of scarcity. That's quite the diagnosis. And then uh, we need immediately, we need to move swiftly. We need to do chemotherapy. Like this is blah, 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 right? So you kind of get swept up. Can you walk us through like the underlying of my brain is almost looking for like a a sequence that occurred. So like this person was holding the stuck emotion for decades and there was no problem. I mean, it hadn't fully manifested yet, right? I'm sure they had a hell of a life <laughs> having never forgiven someone, right? The same lesson over and over. But regardless, physically, nothing too crazy. Then one day, cancer diagnosis. So like this emotion is just trapped. And if you envision the body like water, there's it's just dammed up. It's blocking the, call it the chi, the flow, prana, whatever. And then one day it just becomes a little bit too much. I'm almost looking at this in terms of like, is it like a, almost like a genetic signal, like a cellular signal? So like the emotion is sitting there and then it's giving faulty instructions almost, or like the, the emotions trapped, right? Is saying like, I don't know, whatever we want to have it say, right? Like I'm not worthy or I don't love myself or the world, I'm not safe or I'm bad or whatever, right? Like whatever core belief. And then that's kind of like every cell is like listening to that. And then is that like almost like altering? I'm just curious of how you, how you view this. I'm not saying that there's like PubMed studies, that, right? We're not going to have studies on this. I'm just curious if you could like almost for a thought exercise that's affecting like gene expression and like all of a sudden our cells aren't like working correctly. And then maybe all of a sudden they start attacking themselves because we have this underlying unconscious belief that like we deserve to be attacked almost. What do you think about this? So a few things. Um, absolutely. With the trapped emotion, I'm going to go a little bit more towards Joe Dispenza. Cool. So 
when you have certain thoughts, they release neurotransmitters and hormones and neuropeptides. We know this, you know, you can get mad at your boss and on the way to the, on the way to the office, you start thinking about what they said to you and your heart starts beating faster and your blood pressure goes up and you might start sweating a little bit. And by the time you walk in the office, you like slam the door and could scream at somebody because you've actually relived the experience with your boss. Again, the same neuropeptides and adrenaline and noradrenaline are popping off. The neurons are firing the exact same way. So if you keep reliving that experience, maybe not on a daily basis, but even a weekly basis, you're going to start hardwiring the way those neurons are firing. You're going to start hardwiring the neuropeptides and the neurotransmitters they're releasing until finally it's not just a thought, it's a belief. And then it's not just a belief, it's a pattern. And then it's a personality and your personality determines your personal reality. And so because you have thought these thoughts that are ingrained for so long, you have a certain personality form from, from the neuropeptides and neurotransmitters that are being released every day in, because you have those thoughts. And so it's not just that. When you have stuck energy, why do we have pathogens and microbes and toxicities get stuck? They get stuck because there is a, a decrease in it or stagnation in the flow of the meridians and the energy. Hmm. And bacteria in the ecosystem, they, their job is to digest organic waste. Mold is the same way when things get wet. It digests organic waste. If you're full of waste products and toxins and or trauma and trapped emotions, which the body perceives the same way in the energetic system, you will have microbes for cleanup. You will have recurrent infections. And so those also, their byproducts, the toxicities that we um, that stagnate in our bodies due to blocked meridian patterns, they are going to add to disease over time and chronic health problems. And so it's th it's the physical combined with the emotional, combined with the personality you've created based on your environment. Mm, okay. So it's almost like if I'm understanding this correctly, I suppose this is why you speak on unresolved trauma quite a bit. So when these things are stuck, then we become almost like a breeding ground for these things that otherwise wouldn't be as much of an issue. Yes. Our, you become our body vulnerable would clean them out that. naturally, but now it struggles too. Because you're holding on to stuff. How's it going to hold? How's it going to release heavy metals? You can't even release a thought. Yeah. So then my mind immediately goes to the person who like keeps having health issues and they keep doing a parasite cleanse and then they do the mold detox and then they do the heavy metal detox and it, but it's uh, nine months later they have mold again and it's like is that kind of the nature of why you focus on some of the stuff in your in your work because it's like okay maybe we don't need another mold detox maybe there's something else going on here Exactly. And so, you know, I take everyone through Wellness Plus or when they talk to me, I take them through drainage, trying to open the body up. So sometimes when you open the physical pathways up, the emotions can flow too. And some mm -hmm. people can make that transition. There are other people whose nervous system is just so stuck. And if you guys yep. look at the adverse childhood events, the ACE scores, that people have a high risk of autoimmunity and hospitalization from it based on how many adverse childhood events they have. And that's showing you wow. that when our immune system is developing, if we have trauma, you're going to hardwire your system a certain way and make yourself more, um, more vulnerable to disease later on. So we're showing that it comes from the autonomic nervous system right there from the, from that in childhood. And it can be extrapolated to adults as well, right? So I think really looking, um, you know, I can tell you right away, I dump people right in the roadblock, right after drainage into roadblocks um, for health. My, my course, which looks at water damage buildings, teeth, 
and nervous system because I can't have you going into any sort of detox without your drainage open and your body prepped and without you looking at roadblocks because you're going to spend money on supplements and biohacks and you're still going to be stuck because we didn't triage those roadblocks right away. Hmm. When you say roadblocks, are you referencing like the internal aspects? Yes. I'm talking about the nervous system being stuck in flight or fight and vagal yeah. tone. I'm talking about water damaged buildings because yeah. I can't put you through a mold or parasite cleanse. If you were still in the mold building, what? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, and then, and then also teeth, because if someone has lime and mold and they have seven uh, root canals and four mercury fillings, that's why they have, it's the teeth. Oh, Jesus. So I can't yeah. have you go through it. We'll, we can empty the toxin bucket a little bit, make you feel better, but the root cause is still in your mouth. I got to have you knowing about that. Yep. Mm, okay. So that's 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 why I you, right away you have to help people understand how the body works and it's a perspective that they have to understand. I don't want to give them the fish. I want to teach them how to fish. Yeah. Powerful. So I think this is a good a good segue. I wanted to ask you like. Just for people who are maybe listening to this, who are like, okay, they're not as familiar with this world as um, me and you in, in the sense of how we're talking about this. So like, obviously a lot of your content centers around things like mold, you talk about parasites, you talk about autoimmune. Um, these are some big issues I noticed that you talk about a lot. In your experience, what would you say are like the top three most common underlying culprits causing people's health issues? Maybe we've already referenced them. Maybe we haven't. But top three in your mind from just like what you've seen over and over pattern recognition. I mean, honestly, it is the three I talked about. It's it's teeth. Root canals are such a big thing that people don't understand. They don't understand how that's one of the biggest interferences to healing in the body. Can you talk uh, about that a little bit? For sure. Yeah. So, okay. So root canals were not allowed in the U.S. up until, you know, I can't remember the exact date that they really had to petition to make them legal here in the U.S. because there were so many dentists at the time, about 100 years ago, that were against them, 50 years. I can't remember when it was. Um, but basically, a root canal, once the cavity moves into the center of the tooth or the pulp, they want to do a root canal, which is where they'll often leave the periodontal ligament, seal the tooth off, and the problem is that it's not really sealed off. When you leave the ligament, it tells the immune system there's no reason to go there. And it's sealed off anyway with thousands of porous channels where bacteria, parasites, mold, they've, even, they've had studies that show it can infect a, a socket in the root canal. So you've trapped this off without the immune system being able to get to it. And there's a nerve from each tooth that goes to the cranial cavity straight to the brain. So then a lot of these viruses, bacteria can transverse nerves. Um, we know that. And then people come to me with brain fog and fatigue and rashes and autoimmunity. I'm like, it's your mouth. Like we, we don't leave a dead organ anywhere else in the body, like grain, gangrene organ. And dentists, <laughs> I mean, like, what, how is this okay? And dentists will be like, no, we saved your tooth. No, you didn't. It has a lifetime of eight to 10 years. It's man-made. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't even fully understand like how a root canal works. I just know that it's gnarly as hell and you shouldn't get one. <laughs> yeah. They, they don't think about the all the bacteria. Um, oh, tell me. Well, I'm not versed on it, but all I know is like in the spiritual space, they say that a root canal is like one of the worst things that you can do, but I'm not fully sure why. In German new medicine, cavities and root canals are due to um, deprecating thoughts that someone's having about themselves. So, right, eating away, I guess, you know, so, um, and they're very common. I would, I don't know the statistics, but so many people have root canals now yeah. um, and, and silver fillings that the dentists are just now realizing maybe aren't good. 
Um, right. And then they're removing those without a hazmat suit, without the, you know, smart mercury, um, amalgam removal technique where they have a suction and a separate water filtration system that sucks the mercury into it. Um, I'll never forget in 2014 when I had my four removed, my dentist, who's Dr. Blodgett, he's wonderful. He said, you see, you see those, uh, you see that separate water filtration system on my, on my ceiling up there. And I said, yeah, because I had to pay thousands of dollars for that, but they thought it was okay to put that mercury in your mouth as a 10 year old. And I was like, <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> I mean, whoa, like blew my mind back then, but then it made so much sense. Like why is the EPA forcing you to get the thousand dollar water filtration system? Because that's toxic waste in the water supply. Why? Why? Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So That's root, a big one. Root canals in the teeth. What are the other two? The other two are the other roadblocks I've talked about. So water damage buildings is a huge one. Mm. And with 23 to 25% of the population having a, haplo- a genetic haplotype, which what that means is it's not a regular gene. It means there's an immune marker on your on your white blood cells, your immune cells, um, that that immune marker tells the body whether it can recognize pathogen proteins, mold spores, things like that. And this one genotype, they were the canaries in the coal mine. Evolutionarily speaking, I'm a warrior genotype. I never feel bad. So if they drank out of some nasty creek water and it made them sick, I wouldn't know because it would make me sick. And so they go, don't drink that water. It's not good for you. And that was their role back in the villages. Nowadays, society's so toxic, they react to everything. These are the people with mast cell activation and multiple multiple chemical sensitivity. And if they get in a water-damaged building, they literally can't release the mold spores from their body. And so they get so overrun, so worn down, so tired. Their livers and their mitochondria are stunted and stagnant. And these people... I'm telling you, because so many people have this genotype and then the way we're building modern construction with so many toxic adhesives and paints, these people are just sitting ducks to get sick in these homes. And so I see this so much. I can't even tell you. (laughs) So what is, what is, what are these people supposed to do outside of like, you can remove the existing burden, but then what happens for them? So, you know, a lot of them, I feel really bad for them. A lot of them will say things like, I can't get out of the house. There's no way. And can you help me? And if they have this genotype, then I literally can't open their drainage for most of them until they're out of the house. Their body will not let it happen until they're out of the exposure. The first rule of environmental medicine is avoidance. And so that's a lot of them get better just getting them out of the environment. But should they have to be kind of educated on toxic homes? toxic building supplies and what that means for them. A lot of them try to move to more arid conditions thinking that that's going to help them. And it doesn't really matter how dry the environment is. It matters where the house is set, what it was built with, you know, are there, is it got something like, um, you know, energy efficiency in it where that's great for energy efficiency and airtight homes. It's not how nature intended where airflow is supposed to move back and forth to Mm. prevent mold growth. Um, we have like things like vents venting up to this, up to the attic. So you have a mold hot box. It doesn't even go outside. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. it, I mean, there's, there's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just common sense and particle board is never supposed to get wet. So, you know, it's always behind walls or under floorboards or people don't see it. So, 
and a lot of remediators just aren't savvy in mold. They just don't understand the detriment to certain people and how sensitive people are. And so you really have to find a builder who understands about toxic building materials or a remediator who understands how toxic water damage is for people's health. And without that, you kind of get in a situation where you're outsourcing your knowledge to people that I'm not sure fully understand your health condition. And so it makes it, that's the worst part of my job, honestly, Jeremy, is to tell people about their home. I mean, and to tell people they have to throw away their poorest furniture, their drapes, their books. I mean, <laughs> I had, I had one co young couple sit on Zoom with me, hugging, and crying because they had this huge canvas of when they got married and it had a picture of their wedding and it was full of mold mycotoxin spores because it was a canvas and they had to throw it out. And it was like, I'm crying with them. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, there's obviously going to be very strong emotional attachment to people having to tell people to part ways with their any of their belongings, really. Um, yeah. So water damaged buildings are a big one, and you you think about these people who are sensitive who go to school and work, and they aren't they're not believed. I mean, it's like so many people's health issues that I see: the teeth, water damaged buildings, and finally the last one is I've already mentioned it a number of times: is trauma in the nervous system. Mm -hmm. um, and I truly believe that most illnesses, if we could fix those three things, most people would be so much more resilient and healthy. <laughs> Mm. I think that that's a, it's a very unique combination of those three, especially bringing in like the teeth. I like the teeth in those three. I think mold is obvious to people. They might think they don't have it, but it's obvious. Trauma, gaining popularity. I think people, well, if people acknowledge that they have any semblance of trauma, I think they could understand that one. But I feel like the teeth is like, especially the root canal stuff and all that, um, Super, po super common, very popular. And this is where your work kind of crosses over with Alina's work and like PRI and all that, right? Because it's not just about like toxic fillings or root canals. Then you start going deeper down the rabbit hole of how your teeth are sitting and you're breathing and all this type of stuff as it pertains to your autonomic nervous system, right? That's right. People don't understand that mouth breathing is linked to ADHD. That's mm. right. That's right. And it certainly is. Like if you're not breathing through your mouth at night, guys, your heart rate variability is in the toilet and you probably feel tired all the time and you can't focus. Yeah. And that is that is a big, 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 big deal. And I, that's why I appreciate Alina's work so much. You know, like I didn't know that the way the teeth positioned and touched each other told you about your body's proprioception and space. Right. With what? Your and everything. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, super quick guys. Most of you may not even be aware that we have a killer inner circle private email newsletter in which we share exclusive teachings, behind the scenes content, and things that quite frankly, I'm just not going to share publicly on the internet if you catch my drift. If you rock with my content, make sure you are subscribed to our free email newsletter. We won't spam you and you can unsubscribe at literally any time if for some reason you're not receiving an astronomical amount of value. Check out the link in the description below, or you can go to jgriff.org to sign up there. Now back to the show. So slight pivot. Sure. Um, and you can let me know, like, we don't have to go too deep into this, but I do want to ask. <laughs> so like when we connected for our, for our audience to understand, you were like immediately took an interest into the content that 
is more in my wheelhouse, right? The sovereignty stuff, law, the systems, all of that. And I was quite surprised at that. <laughs> maybe. Really? I don't, I mean, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be anymore because, you know, I've had different experiences where like I follow someone, I really like their work. And then after a while, they'll become aware of mine. And then I find out that they're like into this stuff. But I still, I guess I just still view it as like people think it's like not real or, or, or they're just not aware of it or whatever it may be. Um, it's like root canals, Jeremy. Yeah, it is. It's very similar. It's just like mold in our walls, but uh, <laughs> it is there and we got to get to the root. <laughs> so, so when we connected, like you were very aware of this stuff and you kind of immediately started talking to me about some stuff that we, that we won't mention, but basically just um, you're aware of what's going on in the world, not just on the health side, but you are aware on the business side in terms of public versus private in terms of, you know, what's going on with the United States Corporation and all of these weird, strange things that, if you've never been exposed to them, sound ridiculous. So that was cool for me to learn that. Um, but what stood out most to me is, like, you have a background of, like, a medical doctor. So I'm sitting here, like, you're the first – well, yeah, you're the first person that has a background of being an MD that is not only open – open-minded enough to be willing to learn these things, but has learned these things. So I guess my question for you is like, and I want to clarify why I said that. So like the education system, right? Largely Rockefeller funded. We have, you know, Flexner report. We have all sorts of the things that he did in the early 1900s that are still have still shaped the education system. And so it's like, you're heavily educated. I'll say in quotes, you had a lot of years of schooling, right? Typically, people don't break free after that because it's so many years of being taught what to regurgitate and what to think. So my question for you is like, how did this come about and why in terms of um, your desire and choice to educate yourself in terms of um, legal versus lawful, in terms of uh, protecting yourself in commerce, in terms of just how things are not what they seem as far as um, contracts, taxes, debt, you know, the system as it pertains to our day-to-day -day affairs and commerce. Uh, and once again, you keep it as general as you want. I'm not, you know, we don't need to necessarily go into anything specific, but um, I think it is a very unique point to highlight on because everything that we're talking about today, whether it be the medical system or this stuff, we're really talking about the same thing. We've been misled and people like you and me are not so different in that what we do at a root level is we're here to help people learn the truth, uh, make more empowered decisions, and uh, take their power back. So curious how that came about for you and whatever you want to share there. You know, I've often pondered this myself. Um, I feel like the hero's journey for a lot of people is you get sick and that's how you learn about health because yeah. you're forced into it. Mm -hmm. I've never been sick. So I I don't really understand what made me see. It was really Instagram. I mean, I have to quote social. I have to get credit social media. Um, it was really people making what I thought were outlandish claims on there. And then I'd go research, be like, oh, I'm going to prove them wrong because I have a big ego. But then it didn't, so it's not what happened. I was humble. <laughs> they red-pilled you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I red-pilled. Dang it. So, so but, um, you know, 
honestly, that's when I woke up about food. And then whenever I saw all that, I I have a really big mouth and I can't keep my mouth shut when I see like when I see the truth, I'm like, oh, these other doctors, they must not see it. I need to tell them. So I'm up in the hospital, like complaining about the factory farmed meat in the cafeteria and the processed cheese. And why do we have Coke and Pepsi in here? Why do we have these contracts? What is going on? Like I'm harassing the cafeteria ladies. Okay. Like nothing to do with it. And so the doctors would come and be like, you can't, we understand the system's messed up. We just need you to do your job. And that's just not the way I work. Like it's just not the, what I do. And so I started to see that they kind of saw what I already saw and they just were like, oh, we're going to just keep trucking away. And so, so, you know, eventually I would, you know, talk to drop hints to patients in rooms with doors shut and tell them all this stuff. And then, you know, one day, one guy came in the emergency room and was on Prevacid, which is a proton pump inhibitor for acid reflux. He'd been on it for like seven years, seven, eight years. The package insert clearly said six months to a year. And there's all kinds of examples like this in the hospital and private practice. And so I wrote in the electronic medical record, typed it in and said, this patient has been on Prevacid for seven years and the package insert says six months to a year. Why don't we change his diet? And the primary care physician called the lead hospitalist and complained about me and said, this is a liability for me. She wrote this in the chart. I'm the one that prescribed that medication. What gives? And they sent me down and they said, you know, you're a disruptive physician and you're complaining too much. And if you do this, then we can't let you work for us. And um, again, I have a big ego and a big mouth. So I didn't even think about it. So I said, I quit. And, hey, and so, drop. and then figured it out on the way, jumped out of the plane and built the parachute on the way down. That's usually yeah. the way I do things. Uh-huh. So, so, you know, I don't really know what made me see that, but once that's the way I am, once I see it, I'm not going to participate if it's unethical. I'm not, I am not going to do it. I'll be poor. I'm not going to do it. And so, um, and I just, it, it's appalling. It's actually, actually shocking and appalling to me that doctors are staying there based on their money, as opposed to like trying to figure things out and doing the right thing. It's appalling, appalling. Like I just never would do it. And so, you know, that's the stuff about health. Now, the stuff about sovereignty, I have to credit my ex a little bit with this. He was very much into this. And he ended up finding out about finding out about uh, a life insurance that is whole life dividend paying insurance with compounded interest. And it's like how the AMA and Disney and the Rockefellers kept their wealth. It's the eighth wonder of the world, according to Mark Twain. And so I really got into that, got a policy. And then when you start getting into that compounded interest and dividends and life insurances that pay while you're alive rather than when you're dead. (laughs) Then I started saying, wait, why isn't this, wait, wealth managers and advisors don't know about this because it's not in their portfolio to make money off of. Wait, 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 wait. This is the same as the legal system. This is the same as the education system. This is the same as the health system, you know? And so you just start diving more down the rabbit hole because you got a little thread that unraveled. Um, And so that's how I got into the sovereignty stuff. And then you know, because of my network online, I have people message me and be like, you know, you may need to meet this person. You may need to talk to these people. Um, you may want to talk, look at private versus public. And so I had little nuggets dropped to me uh-huh. in okay. DMs too, right? <laughs> little little birdies telling you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just think I I try to influence so many people and their families and their loved ones on social media that sometimes it's an energy exchange where you get things back and in the know because you're helping. And that's how I want it to be. I want it to be not where people are taking from me all the time or vice versa. I want it to be a tribe and energy exchange where everyone is getting payoffs because they're telling the truth. 
Yeah. I love that. It can seem speaking from experience your first, you know, X amount of years on social media, it can definitely seem like you're just giving, 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 and it's very, can seem not very reciprocal. Um, but when you really build like a, a real community and, and find your lane, if you will, um, that has been one of the most rewarding and, and beautiful aspects is like seeing, being shown just how much you've impacted people by, you know, them going out of their way and, and doing something nice for you and you've never met this person or whatever. Uh, it's definitely, definitely cool. Yeah. So that makes sense. So, and it is interesting how like all it takes is like one of these systems to kind of wake you up. And then it's like, it's like a, a thread, right. Of like you're, you start pulling on the thread and then it just, it takes you, it takes you as deep as you're willing to go, but it is something that when you start to get into the realms of law, I find there is a barrier to entry because you really have to be a certain archetype. Um, ah, interesting. If you're the type who, and we see this over and over, like the type of person who in school was afraid to do something because they might get in trouble or like afraid to color outside the lines, you, you're not, you're not going to be able to, to do this stuff. You're not going to be able to live this lifestyle. And it, and it really comes down to that, like, authority programming. So that's why, like, the more I've gotten to know you, I'm like, oh, yeah, this works perfectly. Like, you're not, you're not going to have any issues because it's almost like it's the exact opposite. Like, even if you had to color inside the lines, you'd be, like, twitching and you're like, I can't. <laughs> like, I got to just break out. <laughs> so, like, you know, it's not a problem, but the – on the flip side, that type of person, the the programming is so deep when like all throughout life, you've been rewarded for listening, right? Like it ingrains that deep sense of like, okay, my worth is based on my ability to like follow directions or like I receive love when I just be quiet and listened and do what I'm told, right? Like, let's say that that's been your experience. It hasn't been my experience, but let's say that's been your experience. Well, then all of a sudden you come across this stuff and you're, you know, 30, 35, 40, whatever. And you're like, this is, you know, this would be absolutely life-changing, but my identity construct would have to cease to exist. So now the person's like, okay, literal ego death, you're going to have to die and be reborn, <laughs> reborn in the private, right? Sounds kind of theatrical or it's not for you. And we've, we've seen that over and over. Like it's so sexy to tell people like, you know, exit the tax system or offshore or, you know, tax-free wealth or whatever trusts or learning, uh, discharge your debt or whatever. Right. But the reality, and this is why, you know, now that you're, I wasn't going to mention it, but since you mentioned now that you're working with us, um, you see, like, as soon as you come into our offering, like, what is the entire first phase about? It's all about inner work and yes. nervous system regulation. Why? Well, I because, was so surprised. Well, because I imagine it. what the – I've walked this path, so I intimately understand, like, what it's like when your your notion of what you thought the world was gets ripped out from under you. And, and it's – even in, for a contrarian, you know, I've been into conspiracy theories since I was 16. I used to tell my mom about the Clintons and 9-11 when I was in high school. You know, I've been into this for like, you know, let's just say like 13 years or something. But even still, when I found some of this stuff, it's almost like 
so much of it was just this aspect of me like being rebellious and I wanted to believe in it, but it's all just like at the end of the day, you're never going to know if Obama is wearing a mask or if, you know, his wife is actually a dude or none of this stuff really matters. Right. It's just like funny stuff that we like mentally masturbate about, if you will. We're just like, it's entertainment almost. But, but then you come across some of the stuff that it's like, hold on, if, if this is true, like this is actually practical shit. Like you can go try it, right? Try it, try the process or whatever. Yeah. Then it becomes a thing of like, well, damn, now you're up against your relationship to death. You're up against your personality construct. You're up against your relationship to authority. You're up against, do you feel like you're doing something wrong even when you know what you're doing is right. All of these things, like, so the way we explain it and the way we teach it is like, number one, we only work with people who are already spiritually tapped in. Why? Because you're not going to stand a chance at this stuff if you're not already. And then number two, the way I explain it is like, this is the next level of integration for shadow work because everything is going to come up and it's like, it's not just you and a journal going over shit that happened 10 years ago. Like this is real life. Like, you know, uh, this is your livelihood to your house, people knocking on your door, uh, IRS with questions. You know what I mean? So it's like people, I guess this is just my little PSA rant, but like, you know, everyone wants the, uh, the result, but it's this real spiritual journey. And um, it's a hero's journey in and of itself. So I'm glad to hear you were <laughs> pleasantly surprised. I'd love to hear a bit more <laughs> about why you were so surprised at that. But we make people go through a whole section of, of inner work before the rest of the curriculum will unlock because, yo, if you can't regulate your nervous system like at a serious level and um, if you're not viewing this as a spiritual practice, you're just like, oh, free money. Man, I've seen people get chewed up and spit out, right? And then they blame who? (laughs) And it's like, you weren't ready for the assignment. You know what I mean? So um, Sounds like hell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's always like no personal accountability, right? You did this. But um, that's why we vet so hard. And that's why we have such – we're very strict with with who we let in. But, yeah, I'd be curious to hear uh, if you wanted to mention anything about the coming in and the inner work. I was just surprised. I thought, you know, you don't think about a, you know, financial freedom mastermind having like inner work up front. I mean, it makes perfect sense when you, when you consciously think about it, but like, it's surprising at first to be like, that's the first thing we're going to do. Um, and it, it makes, it makes total sense to me. You know, um, I will say that navigating the legal aspect and financial freedom is like a in the matrix. So like, it's like, so, far beyond like health, in my opinion, that people's consciousness can't even hardly accept it or believe it yet. They're just like, they just don't. And, you know, I'm going to take it a little step further here. If you think about um, the Bible and what it talks about and the apocalypse, which means lifting of the veil, it doesn't mean end of the world, surprise. Um, But what it says is, you know, there won't be any sickness. There won't be any debt you know, um, people will be happy and loved. And if you think about the whole thing about the no virus theory going around right now, the contagion myth by Dr. Tom Cowan, Mm. and right. And you think about the stuff you're doing now, it seems very much that heaven could be placed on earth eventually. Mm. 
I literally forgot. um one of our teachings in the in the LUC when when you get to it on I'm breaking down different like legal codes and different scriptures. Um it's called heaven on earth. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. So I'm right right there with you. And I go into like Deuteronomy and how much of this comes from the Bible and you know, that's another whole rabbit hole that people don't even don't even really understand. I don't think like this is God's law. You know, all of this stuff it sounds like we're just like, oh, it's loopholes. No, no, no. Loopholes is taking man-made law and trying to bend the words to fit your situation. This is taking your fucking power back. But first, you have to understand that you have a divine creator and that the only person you answer to is that divine creator. And that is why it's such a powerful shift. Like, look, I can't take if you don't believe what I just said, like in your cells, I can't help you, you know, because it's not a journey of me and it's not even really a journey of you. This is about you and your creator and if you don't have that level of faith, then you're up against a lot. Listen, sovereignty, health, happiness, freedom is our birthright. 100%. It is our birthright. And you have to go take it because there are people trying to take it from you right now. Facts. Yep. And everything's been distorted, right? Everything's been like we're shown the inverse of everything. Everything today is about derivatives and it's all man-made. And so the same way in the, in the health system, like we don't do natural herbs and stuff anymore, right? We're taking pharmaceuticals that are like, it was once nature, but now it's a derivative. Same thing with um, like vaccines and such, right? It was once like our immune system did this. Now it's a n- bottled up vaccine with mRNA in it. And then you look at the legal system and it's like, these things were once obvious and they were once coming from the Bible and like they've inverted it. And then you look at your person, you look at your straw man, same thing. We were once blood and flesh. They inverted it. They turned you into a corporation. Like every single thing has been inverted. And then what is the definition of like Lucifer or Satan? It's not like this big bad wolf. It's just the inversion of God. It's the shadow of God. So you wonder why the world looks how it does. It's just like the Mm. satanic energies. Lucifer is just like taken over this domain and the way that you take your power back is the same way that you deepen your relationship with with your creator. You just have to take every inversion and reconnect with the actual truth. That's all that this process is. And I'll take it a step further too. Don't let what Jeremy said scare you because across the veil, this is just a, a, a an illusion of duality. Across the veil, mm. everything goes back to the light. So even the darkest people in your life that hurt you what did they teach you? Because most of us don't learn during happiness. Everything's happy. We don't want to change. We learn during pain. I speak yep. from experience. Unfortunately, I only change during pain. So, you know, great for yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a wonderful teacher, right? And it's baked into our, for whatever reason, uh, if you believe that we have a creator, and if you don't, I don't know why you're listening to the show, but <laughs> if assuming you believe we have a creator, it's evolutionarily baked into us. We're way more wired to avoid pain and stay alive, right? That's what evolution is, to continue to reproduce and survive than we are to like pursue pleasure or whatever. So what that tells me is our creator wants us to experience these things, you know? It's baked in. Um, otherwise, pleasure would be a stronger driver than pain. It's not. We learn better through pain. So it's almost like if this were a game, the one of the rules to the game is that you shouldn't avoid pain. You should actually learn to appreciate it. Right. And when you're in a homeostasis and your body and your autonomic nervous system is balanced, you're very resilient. 
You know, you can eat a bad thing here and there and not get sick. You can, you know, go through a bad experience and not have horrible PTSD, right? So the more balanced you are, the more you can handle these things. And you then you can see why the matrix, the powers that be are trying to disa- disable us from every aspect because mm. control control works when people are out of homeostasis. That's a good point. Yeah, the more fragile. We're a very fragile society today, very fragile. And the way to become anti-fragile is nervous system regulation, right? Amen. We're going to take a hard pivot. I want to talk a little bit about um, autoimmunity and get your takes on this. I know you you post a lot of great content about autoimmunity. So assuming I know nothing, I have heard you speak on debunking autoimmunity. How do you see autoimmunity? Is it irreversible, like we've been told? And um, where does this actually stem from? So the name kind of... And what we've been told the definition is definitely throws people off. Like, oh, wow, my body's so sinful and broken that it's attacking itself. No, no, that's not what's happening. The body doesn't make mistakes. There's another inversion. Right. Oh, you're right. That our body isn't perfect, right? That it attacks itself. No, 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 no. What a fallacy. What a lie. What a just a bunch of uneducated windbags propagating this lie. (laughs) So so anyway, Windbags is a great name. <laughs> I really like that one. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> Windbags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so basically, you know, autoimmunity, the name in itself makes us feel bad about ourselves and gives us shame. And yeah, that's the goal. It's not what it's supposed to be. So your body is actually really smart and you're just sensitive. And there's something stuck inside your body that doesn't belong there. And your body's making antibodies to go fight whatever that is. It's not making antibodies against your nerve cells or against your muscle cells. It's not doing that. There's something stuck in the muscle or the brain tissue that is causing your body to make antibodies against it to try and it's spinning out and not getting the result at once. Now, um, what could these things be? So there's something called molecular mimicry. There's something called ionic mimicry. So let's take heavy metals, for example. Some heavy metals can look like minerals that our body needs and can mm-hmm. replace minerals yep. that our body needs, right? Like mm-hmm. aluminum and magnesium. They're both they, a two they plus They share charge. receptors, right? They're in the same valence of electrons within the periodic table. And so, you know, same thing with like, for example, mercury or excuse me, um, iodine and, um, and chloride. And, you know, what do we clean our water with? Chlorine byproducts that then combine with other toxins in the water to create more toxic chlorine byproducts, such as perchlorate. Perchlorate sure does look like iodine, and the thyroid uptakes iodine here. So instead, Mm. it's uptaking fluoride or chloride, right, Um, which lives a similar valence of electrons in the periodic table in the same row. And so this molecular or, excuse me, ionic mimicry fools the body. And then the body is making antibodies trying to get this out of there, right? Um, But there's things stuck in receptor sites or you're, you're stagnant. Your body's kind of, it's not running at full capacity because it's out of homeostasis. Like you said, it's an inversion right? Even within the, even within the cells and the receptor sites. And so the same thing can happen with like plastics, for example, pesticides. There's a lot of molecular mimicry that drives autoimmunity. Your body's very smart. It's spinning out, trying to remove what should not be there in the toxin mm. bucket. And that is what's happening. Not, it's not attacking itself. Wow. So where do, is there any specific common spots where plastics like to lodge themselves or is it pretty much just I wonder if we're not creating a third species of human here um, because 
think Sidewalk. about it. It's <laughs> yeah, right. It's it's estrogens. Yeah, these. Thank you. These are hormone and endocrine disruptors, and they they bind to receptor sites. And what endocrine disruptors do is, let's say, take the estrogen site, xenoestrogens you mentioned. It's like a lock and key. So when estrogen goes to the correct site, unlocks it, removes. When a xenoestrogen goes into it, lock, stuck, 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 mm. stuck, activation, activation, activation. It doesn't pull loose from the lock and key like it should. And so you get a continued cascade of estrogenic effects from that, the wrong wow. types of estrogen, right? So that's what's going on is, and if you're doing that all the time, we're actually eating a credit card worth of microplastics every day, <laughs> every month in our food. Are we creating a new species of human? Yeah. Wow. Right. And they like to let it go to the DNA also likes to be in the fascia and lymph. Uh, yeah. The lymph. We'll have to talk about the lymph in a bit. So it reminds me of that clip from uh, Alex Jones. You know who Alex Jones is? Dude, I wanted to about play the gay, that. So about the gay frogs? Many friends. Do you, do you That's remember why I don't that? have any. Yes. They're drinking water that makes the frogs gay. Yeah. He's like, the frogs are gay. <laughs> like, this is me. This is why I don't have friends. This is why. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's funny. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so, and what are some of the most common types or um, labels of autoimmune conditions? We've got like Lyme. We've got, is Lyme autoimmune? It's not actually. Um, it, can, it can lead to a lot of autoimmunity, like okay. because the immune system's lowered in general. So you're more of a sitting duck for got other it. things. I know so Hashimoto's like, is, right? Yes. Graves disease, Hashimoto's, lupus fibromyalgia, um, strogans. What about, what is um, Epstein-Barr? Is that viral or? It's viral, okay. yes. And, you know, Epstein-Barr has gotten a lot of publicity over the last few years because of um, medical medium. I was going to say, that's where I first learned about it. Yeah, who but... says every 90% of everything is caused by Epstein-Barr, which is a great guess because 95% of people are seropositive for Epstein-Barr virus, even if they don't remember having mono. Um, so, or mononucleosis for those watching or listening. Um, and I do feel like Epstein-Barr has connected to a number of different autoimmune conditions. I think there's seven that a recent publication showed in like 2016 or 17, and they're showing how it embeds in the DNA and is connected to things like rheumatoid arthritis, chronic fatigue syndrome, things like that. MS is another one it's connected mm, to. MS. That's a very common one, right? Yep. MS. But you know, um, these herpes viruses, which Epstein-Barr is a herpes virus, you know, most people are seropositive or have been, ex you know, have um, been exposed to them over the course of their lifetime, most of us. So what's the difference in people who have autoimmunity where that are seropositive versus those that are not? And, right. Right. So that's the question. I think the defining factor is how full their toxin bucket is with other things, yep. teeth, water damage, all, all that stuff, trauma. So on the discussion of how does one heal if they have an autoimmune condition, it's that's essentially the nature of your work and what we've been talking about, right? They would focus on those three main buckets. Yes. You know, I find that viruses are whatever a virus is, you know, let's say that up front, but I find they're very opportunistic. And when you're more in homeostasis and your, your teeth are fixed, you're out of the water damage building, your nervous system's fixed, they can't really get on top of your immune system. They jump on board as frenemies. <laughs> it kind of frenemies. It kind of reminds me like uh you were mentioning the the herpes virus. So like when I get super stressed, let's say once or twice a year, I'll have like a cold sore, right? Which is yeah. which is the herpes flare up. But yeah. exactly like you said, it's only if like I've been had a few days of like 
not good sleep and like haven't been prioritizing my routines and maybe like eating off off schedule or eating out or whatever where I'm getting exposed to like, you know, seed oils or or whatever inf- inflammatory foods. And then what do you know? Boom, I'll wake up and I start to feel this thing growing and I'm like, damn it. And then I'm like mega dosing, you know, lysine and then it goes away in a few days or whatever, but it's, it's always stress related. So that's kind of what you're saying. It's waiting. It's always there dormant, but then it's like waiting for when you're totally, they, especially with, um, cold sores, they live in the, um, nerves of the face and they can stay dormant. And then as we mentioned with the root canals, this is why so many of them have to do with, with root canals and things too. The viruses can tra- transverse the nerves, right? Mm. And then reactivate when things are opportunistic for them. Often I'll be going through some horrible trauma or stress when I get one too. Um, and they're so annoying. I can literally take like 10 gut heroes or like biocidin and it never comes out. Like I can stop him now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you know Dr. Tyler Panzer, but he's a yeah. Okay. So I worked with him recently and, and we had him on recently. Fascinating conversation. That's actually posting in a few days. Nice. Uh, really excited for that episode for my audience to learn more about their genome and and gene mutations and all that. But anyway, um, I had uh, one of the gene mutations where like, um, I'm going to totally butcher it, but basically just my body doesn't either make or needs extra uh, lysine or whatever. Oh. So like that was very eye-opening to me because it's like a thing of, I've always noticed I'm like a hyper responder when I would get like a cold sore, I'd like mega dose lysine and then it would go away super fast. But I never thought to like take it consistently. And then ever since I've started taking it consistently, I've never had any sort of flare up or anything. So I'm just like, oh, okay. So it was a cool perspective to look through the the genetic lens of like, here's the things that my body maybe isn't making um, fully in as full of quantity as it should, right? Maybe there's like a 20% deficiency or a 40% in this gene mutation or whatever. That's been a cool lens to look at things through as well. That's really interesting. Um, it's interesting because L- lysine works in combination with, it's an amino acid, right? So it works in combination to support circulatory health with L-arginine. Yep. And too much L- lysine can actually like disrupt the balance of other amino acids like arginine and mm. arginine is important for nitric oxide synthesis, which is important for beating COVID. Mm. So I see how that all ties in. Yeah. And I also had the mutation for low, uh, like whatever the circulation one is low nitric, nitric oxide. oxide. So NOS, he was like, he NOS recommended, mutation. um, I'd be on like agmatine sulfate and, um, one other one. And I was like, perfect. I already take that. I've taken that for a long time because like for workouts and stuff, it's a good pump product. Yes, Um, like beetroot powder would be really good. Daily daily things that I take lysine with the like agmatine sulfate or citrulline malate. I used to do the beetroot as well. Um, Yeah. I didn't know that those were those worked in synergy though. So that would be a good idea then to take a little bit of both if I'm going to supplement one of them. You're going to increase your nitric oxide production then. And just know that like because you have that mutation, you may have a harder time when you if when and if you do get covid because of that. So support some things that support nitric oxide and you'll you'll work past that mutation. Mm, cool. Yeah. yeah, I definitely focus a good amount on uh, circulatory health, circulatory agents. Yeah, I probably don't need the, to tell uh, you. We got the ivermectin stocked. That stuff is too effective, man. Any sort of like, even a sore throat, I dose it one or two times, gone. Nice. Like That's nothing. amazing. 
it happened recently again where I was like, oh shit. I had, um, I had flown my team out, uh, recently we, we worked all week around a lot of people that I'm not normally, they left. And of course, when like my nervous system regulated, I started, oh shit, my throat. And I'm like, I had a, you know, I had a productive week that I needed to have this week. Did like ivermectin for two days. Totally. (laughs) Like it's crazy. Yeah. It's amazing actually. Yeah, I agree. They don't Everyone's want you to know about it. It's literally on Amazon now, like the horse paste one. No way. Yeah, yeah you really? can get it on Amazon. Yep, 100%. One of my students from the LUC showed me. Because I was getting, I was relying on a on a friend who, you know. <laughs> and then when it runs out, I'm like, oh, I don't want to bother him, like type thing. So I was like, oh, this is cool. They just literally have all sorts of the Isn't it interesting paste. that the horse paste is a parasitic drug? working on this virus. Isn't that weird? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And then the connection between like parasites and cancer and all that. Because it's I'll tell you, in Gerson therapy, we used to have people, you know, a lot of the practitioners in Gerson aren't doctors who can write prescriptions. So they kind of had to be sneaky about how to get things too. And there were a lot of people who had cancer who were just desperate. You know, they were doing juicing, coffee enemas, all the supplements. And they were like, I know that I have parasites. I have parasite symptoms. So they would go get the the vet version of finbendazole, um, and fin and they would literally be like, "I'm pooping out worms." Like these are people that like they wouldn't know anything like this. Like it's literally happening to them. They're like you know lower income people who have no reason to lie. And there were so many of them that told us that, that over the course of four years, um, and then their their cancer would improve. Like, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to believe people over a, a, a piece of paper written by somebody I don't know sometimes. I'm going to believe people. Yep. <laughs> yeah, anecdotal is super important. That's um, largely what I go off. If I've experienced something myself, it's like, you can't tell me that it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Amen. That's right. Never doubt your own lived experience. Never. And that comes down to the whole thing with authority, which ties back to the stuff we're talking about with sovereignty, where it's like, we've just been trained since we were like four years old that authority knows better than us. And it's like, why? Just because it's, we decided on this system called the scientific method. And then we decided on who's smarter than who and who gets to accredit things and who doesn't. It's like, but why? Right. And these questions, I've always asked these questions. My parents used to hate it. But why? Stop asking why. You're the most argumentative kid. You're going to be a lawyer when you grow up. You know, they t- used to tell me that. You're going to be a lawyer. The I got irony, told the same thing. The irony. <laughs> My grandpa told <laughs> I just needed to, to know why. It didn't make sense to me. Why should I listen to you guys? You don't have, like, you don't look very happy in life. You don't seem like you really know what you're talking about. Yeah, you shouldn't take advice for anyone's life you don't want to live. For sure. I'm glad you realized that as a 10-year-old. It's just a more ascended soul. (laughs) I didn't know what to say. Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) That's why I have such a strong relationship with God because it's like, it wasn't me. I don't know. You know, just a blessing. Right. It's never, I will tell everyone, it's never me. All this this health knowledge I've gotten, the only difference in me and everyone else is I have a strong, strong um, spiritual connection to the universe and God. And, you know, I, I just decided I was going to believe people over double-blinded studies. I just decided that's the difference. It seems to be working out for you. <laughs> so far, so good. I don't know. We <laughs> went through some weeds. I'm out of the clear now, though. So Yeah, there's definitely been some um, some plot twists, but it makes for a better story. 
Yes, I agree with that. What can I say? Oh, I want to reference a, a reel that you've posted that got um, a ridiculous amount of shares. This is going to be a throwback, but I think you'll remember it. Okay. So I'm going to quote it. There was like three slides that you did on video. The first slide, you were like going to medical school to get to the root cause of disease. And then the second slide, you said, realizing the disease labels they taught you aren't root cause. And then the third slide, you said, figuring out that as a doctor, you're a cog in a wheel of conventional medicine's dis-ease system that aims to keep us on drugs forever. Do you remember that? Um, I don't know if I necessarily remember the exact post, but that definitely sounds like something I would say. For sure. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so it, it, it got a ridiculous amount of shares, obviously. Um, so this is something that may seem so obvious to people like you and me. Uh, you've had the firsthand lived experience. I've just, whatever, I seem to be able to perceive things that other people are too busy to seem to care about. But for whatever reason, like most of America, most of the first world doesn't seem to have much of an issue with our current, what I would call our sick care system. In your eyes, what direction is medicine going in? And the second part to that question, how does change actually happen? Like when you, from your perspective, you've, you've lived it, you've been in the system, you have way more direct uh, experience. I, I only know like what it looks like from the outside looking in. Are you optimistic, pessimistic? Like what direction are things going in? And then how does change actually happen as far as you're concerned? The doctors are really unhappy. They're not happy. They almost have made themselves victim perpetrators within the system because they have zero time, eight minutes to spend with a patient on average. They're really wow. unhappy. Um, and they're sort of like uh, uncomfortable in their comfort zone right now. Now, I will uncomfortable say- Uncomfortable in their comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So they, they're uncomfortable, but not enough to move yet yep. and to do something about it. And that's yep. where I see a lot of them. Now, most of them, I've got like a handful of them over the last five years, like the number one girl in my class who's a dermatologist reached out to me during COVID and said, something's wrong. I'm not getting this vaccine. Their science is wrong. Their stats are wrong. Like she was paying attention. There's another nephrologist who was in the class ahead of me. They all messaged me on like Facebook or Instagram, like privately and say, I'm, this is BS. I see what you're doing. I believe it. This is, I, I understand that da, da, da. there's an anesthesiologist a couple of years ahead of me who still posts about seed oils and Dr. Paul Saladino and working out. And I'm seeing them, they're coming to me and they're saying things and they watch my stories. They may not comment all the time. They, I've got a couple of them that watch my stories from my class and they watch me and they watch what I'm doing. And they say, oh, I believe what you're doing. I just don't know how to get out of it. They're scared, um, but they're waking up. And a lot of them have been leaders in their community and they've had all the answers. And anytime someone consults them in the hospital or outpatient, they've had all the answers. Uh -huh. Now they're people that don't have the answers and they're seeing the drugs aren't working and they're seeing the band-aids aren't getting to the root cause. And they're asking, why am I so unhappy in the system? I never really seem to help anybody. Mm. So, you know, I see them, they're restless and they just don't know where to go. So my next step is to teach the practitioners. Like we can't overhaul the health system without the medical doctors on our side. And they're very close. Many of them are very close. They just don't know how to get about out of it with a house payment and families. Yeah. They don't know how to continue. Um, to, and they have what a miserable place to be where you hate your job and you feel like you're not helping people and you feel like you don't know how to leave. Yep. It's very sad. And so, um, you know, my goal is to educate them. I think 
when another medical doctor shares that they didn't know anything and they were in that position and they they were self-taught just through proactivity, finding the right answers, then they can do it too. Um, and they may have to be uncomfortable for a little while. They may have to make a little less money. They may have to spend right. a few more hours after their, after their shift to learn. Hmm. Um, but you know, ultimately that's my goal is to teach the medical doctors, the ones that are ready. That's my goal is to get them on our side and swing this system. Wow. So that was going to be some of my next question as we're kind of wrapping up is like, you know, future, future plans. If, you know, if I were to ask you like a, you know, five, 10 year vision. So obviously you've, you've made a tremendous impact in the holistic health space and the, what I would consider the online health space. Um, you have a huge, huge following, very, very, um, loyal, successful community and everything like that. So the next step for you is focusing more on leading the leaders, if you will. So right now you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the majority of people coming to you are people who are themselves like the patient, right? Whereas that next level for you is maybe, so do you intend to kind of create something where you're, it's almost like a mentorship or a certification, if you will, where it's like, here's how. I broke out and here's how you can too. And here's how we're doing things. Like what's on your mind in terms of that? Yes. I think um, I'm probably going to start something through wellness plus, which is where I teach um, now. And there's a lot of practitioners and lay people on that site, but I think I'm going to start having something called grand rounds where the, if you're a practitioner and you want to join wellness plus, we can come and we're going to have case studies. We're going to bring our hardest patients. We're going to talk about it once a month for a couple hours Mm. Um, and it's going to be a mentorship program. So we, I've already had one with just my team and that was the first step. So we're getting ready to announce it. And I'm also launching a virtual clinic in the next month or two. Um, and there is going to be an option to see me and there is going to be an option to see a lot of different practitioners for a package deal for over a few months. Um, and we'll see how it goes. You know, I do miss seeing people one-on-one. I just don't, my time is not best spent repeating myself every single consult. No. I, I do understand, and I do want to sound compassionate here. I do understand that part of healing with people is not seeing a doctor for eight minutes, it's seeing a doctor for an hour or two and, and word vomiting your story on them because yeah, someone's listening. Yes, that's what they need. And it's, 100%. but, and I used to do that all day long and cry with them. But at this point in my career, um, if I'm going to get traction and swing this system, I can't be listening to people's stories all day. I need no. I need my trained my trained doctors to do that for me, and I yeah. need to teach the teachers. Um, and that's and then the teachers will go out and disperse that information amongst exponentially more people. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't think you'd have to really be reaching to try to uh, take offense to what you just said. I I mean, I think that's the practical way that you reach more people. Um, I'm in the same boat. It's like, you can, you can try to help everyone like on the ground, if you will. And there's going to be an endless amount of those people, or you can look at it like, how do I make the largest impact possible? Well, you kind of work with leaders in their community. You make your ideal client people who are already impacting change because every time you help one of them, you're actually helping thousands of people through the ripple effect. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I didn't know that you were intending to do that. I think that's great. One thing I want to mention is that I'm just like such an entrepreneur. I've never, I've never had a job and 
and I love business. And so like when I hear stuff like this, it fires me up because (laughs) we both know the education system is just so broken. But for whatever reason, during our lifetime, this is even this decade, we're seeing the shift finally from like, let's say, you know, Rockefeller education started in the first decade of, of the 1900s like Flexner Report, all that stuff, uh, creation of the Federal Reserve, Social Security. Hmm. Coincidence, all that happened at the same time. Anyway, we're about you know 110 years down the pipeline. And it's like, I'm so grateful that number one, we're alive during this time. And number two, it's happening so fast. Like we're seeing a record shift right now from less and less and less people seeing the value in a college degree and all the debt and more and more people considering just not even going to college and maybe going to a, a skilled trade school or going um, and starting a business or whatever, just, just starting to think more creatively about it. And with what me and you do, like we're both in what you could consider is the private education sector. So we're offering an alternative to the Rockefeller funded propaganda camps that we call colleges. And it's amazing on, on the one hand, like someone can who who wants to do what you're doing or who has maybe had a background but they're doing it in a way that they're not fulfilled in can you know learn from you via an online offering or whatever it may be and then actually start doing work that they're totally fulfilled in right or like myself now that you're in inside of um, the LUC our community like the way that I've built that and the reason it's like so multifaceted is like this is this is my life's work. Like I'm trying to I've put it together from the lens of everything in there is what I wish school taught me, but didn't. So it's like this aspect of and, and it's why I always come back to like you can call it the age of Aquarius, you can call it the fourth turning, you can call it what you want, but like the shift that humanity is going through right now, you're also seeing it in the marketplace and you're seeing it in businesses and such where it's like innovation is at record levels right now, disruption. And that requires people like you and me, people like you and me who are not afraid of authority, who are not afraid of standing out or being a contrarian because to truly innovate, like to truly be on the front lines of creating a new system, whether it's like a micro system or the most macro system, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to be canceled. You have to be willing to be misunderstood. You have to be willing to be threatened. You have to be willing to whatever it may be, right? Um, so I just want to salute you for that and the work that you continue to do. And um, as we wrap up, Outside of maybe business, what what else is on the on the horizon for Jess? Let's say um, when you think out to like twenty thirty, like do you have any do you have any life plans? Any things that you're like I really um, I really want to put a lot of intention and attention into this area or something that you haven't yet um, achieved or experienced or embodied that um, you're really wanting to call into your life going forward. In the next few years, you know, honestly, love. Um, I've, I really feel like I've been, um, sort of in soul boot camp, getting rid of my karma and then helping to educate the public has been my my lifetime service work with 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 pleasure, with pleasure. I've greatly enjoyed it, and but eventually, at some point, I would like everything to be on autopilot and not need as my much as much as my 
it doesn't as much, but it does still need my attention to get things yeah. running. I'd like to have left a legacy where people understand how the body works um, from a, from a, that they can heal, that there's hope. Um, and we just have to find their specific recipe. And so I really hope at this point, during my service tenure here, I hope that when that's over, I will have met, you know, a divine partnership, someone who really vibes on my level. I hope to um, be traveling and possibly have a family, however that happens. And a couple books, you know, I'm working on a book right now too, and I'm about 200 pages in. Um, and I haven't released it because there is a little bit of fear there. It's my personal story of awakening along with tenets from lime mold and things like that and how I learned about it. So it's more of an autobiography. Um, and I just really want to leave a mark. I don't care if people know my name. I just want them to know my teachings. And um, the, I can't even see my teachings. They were given to me, right? Nothing. Yeah. There's nothing new under the sun. So, so I really want to have left a legacy. And then I wanted to have time to play for myself because right now I'm in service, which is, is my pleasure. But I, I hope by the end that I get Excuse me. I get my own um, playtime and yeah. love, love and happiness. I think we all deserve that, and that's a beautiful, beautiful answer. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about your book. This is. Um, do you have a title for it? Yes, um, we played. Sure, I can share it. We played with a couple different titles, but I think it's going to be um, disinformed consent. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we've, there's been a number of, of things that we've played around with, um, to be honest with you, it's, it's taken, a, it's taken a few different names, but I think, I think that's where we're going to go with is disinformed consent. And it's, you know, um, a doctor breaks free from the industrialized medical complex. That's the title. Hey, <laughs> that's the correct name for it. Perfect. Yes. Because I want to show people you aren't stupid. You're, you're not broken. You're not sinful. There's nothing wrong with you. You've been lied to and misinformed. Right. Wow. I'm excited for this. I know personally, I would love to like in my later thirties, uh, write a book and knowing myself, I'll probably won't stop at one, <laughs> but it seems like almost like in the, to go back to the hero's journey arc, it seems like once you've kind of gotten to a certain stage in your life, the next thing to do is kind of like find ways to uh, aggregate all of like your experience, your knowledge and pass it on. And so like, I can only imagine how um, meaningful that has been for you to write and um, any way that I can uh, support your launch or, or anything, please don't hesitate to, to reach out. I'll happily help um, promote it to our audience or, or anything like that. Um, I Thank really believe you. in what you're doing. Thank you. Likewise. I mean, we have an equal energy exchange here then. So that's good. <laughs> All right, Dr. Jess. So as we wrap up, um, can you let the people know any exciting um, projects, existing ways that they can connect with you, work with you? If you want to drop um, social website, uh, talk a little bit about Wellness Plus, like whatever's, you know, top of yeah. top of mind, let the people know. And then we'll also put it in the description below and it'll be on screen for people as well. I like how um, I describe this to people because there are hierarchies or levels to, to working with me or getting my information. And it depends on where you are in your journey and what you can afford, which I totally respect. So if, you're, if you want to just see free information from me and what I'm about, there's my website, which is drjessmd, so drjessmd.com. On that website, you can read about 
uh, what the COVID vaccination did to my mother when my dad got it. She didn't even get it. You can read why I surrendered my medical license willingly. You can read the whole story with screenshots and texts from the attorney general in San Diego. Um, <laughs> and it has like, this is not going to be private. So, um, so there's that website. You can learn a lot over there. I have a lot of free blogs about the body over there. Um, I'm very active on social media, um, Instagram, TikTok. Um, my team helps me post things over there because it is a, a job, YouTube shorts, all that stuff. So J Dr. Jessica Petras. And then, um, and it's DR period J-E-S-S -S period M-D on Instagram. And then finally, if you want the whole shebang, the whole circus of information, um, web, Wellness Plus is similar to a holistic WebMD. We do have protocols for things like Lyme, heavy metals, mold, breast implant illness, and drainage. And they're handpicked products and biohacks from me in each of our protocols. But you have a search bar. We have over 200 root cause quickies that are three pages each about conventional and holistic ways to treat different labels and what that really means. What's the root cause of those? Um, we have an uncensored community forum where three different doctors, including myself, answer you. And we have um, tons of professional podcast talks and things like that from experts in the field. So it's really a encyclopedia of holistic health information that you guys can get. And then it, we do have consults. If you get stuck, you can order labs on there. So I have a number of different ways you guys can work with me, free or a paid version. Choose your adventure. Beautiful. And... The Wellness Plus is like a membership, right? It's basically just like a month-to-month -month type thing? It is. You can pay annual, quarterly, or monthly, and you can cancel at any time. Beautiful. We will uh, link all of that in the description below. Highly recommend you guys check it out. Uh, Jess knows her shit. If you, don't, if you aren't already familiar with her, check out her Instagram and you'll quickly see that. Um, Really appreciate you, Dr. Jess. Thank you for giving us your time. And for those of you who've tuned in and watched this whole time, thank you so much. Let us know in the comments below if you appreciated the episode, what your biggest takeaways were. And um, we're going to continue to bring on the best guests that we can for you guys and show you a wide array of what it means to truly live a wealthy life. Hopefully I sound like a broken record at this point, but money is just one piece of wealth. If you do not have your health, you are not wealthy. And that is the foundation of how I've built everything that I have. If you are not functioning in a healthy capacity, if your cells are not in a healthy capacity, if you have disease, if you have underlying conditions, you're not going to be able to show up as your highest self. So that is why we continue to bring on excellent health professionals, because if you're not in a position where you want to be in life, if your finances, your relationships, whatever it may be. I would start with your health. It's going to be the pillar of everything else that you do. So we hope you appreciate these episodes. I hope you learned something new and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace and love.